Well, hello and welcome back to the best of moments with Moni. Here in the countdown, we are at number two. And this episode covers the Edenic Covenant. I went through a series on the biblical covenants. Again, if you're enjoying yourself here on Moments with Moni, if this is helpful to you, please share it with a friend. Buy me a coffee right there on the page, momentswithmoni.com, where you can leave questions and comments. I'd just love to hear from you. Happy New Year! Today, we're going to be going over the Edenic Covenant. We touched on an overview of each of them last week, but today we're going to go a little in-depth as far as the Edenic Covenant goes. Of course, the name comes from the Garden of Eden, which was the beginning of Genesis. God created the heavens and the earth, and within it, he put a garden for Adam and Eve. Many of us have heard these stories, whether we believe that they are real or fairy tale, God knows they're true. So today we're just going to take a look at what God has to say about it. Biblical Covenants. Where to begin? Why, the beginning, of course. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Well, that's the first opening verses in the Bible, but they're not really the oldest words that were written in this collection of books. That would belong to Job. So travel back with me in time to before COVID, before 9-11, before the Gulf War, well, before both the World Wars, and before the building of the ancient pyramids, to a time where time began. The history of this time is not written in chronological order. This account of history begins with in the beginning God. If we have trouble with these four words, we won't be digging any deeper to find the gold hidden in the rest of the account. The beginning verses go on to describe a beautiful new home created by God for humans. Created in not his, but their image, revealing a Godhead in three parts, yet one. Seem a bit confusing? Picture a family, dad and a mom and a child, all three parts of the same family, yet three distinct and separate people. The analogy breaks down, but helps us understand the picture here. So we have a beautiful new home with waters and land and shrubbery, birds, animals, stars, sun, moon, and humans. The humans are the crown of God's creation. Again, he made them in his image. He made them with a body, soul, and a spirit, and wanted to be their God and spend eternity with them. Here is where I turn to the user manual to explain what the warranty entails. You know, the user guide that comes along with the new smart TV you just purchased. Yes, similar to that. 
After pushing all the buttons on the remote for a few hours to make things work, you resort to the user guide to read the fine print. Except God made things very clear to Adam and Eve. He didn't hide things in the fine print. It's right there in the super large print Bible for all to see, and it's even in the very first chapter. Let us make man in our own image, to be like us. And let mankind rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created male and female in his own image, and God blessed them. Here comes the to-do list. Be fruitful and multiply. Have lots of children and fill the earth. Subdue the earth. Take authority over the earth and be masters over it. Eat the herbs and the fruit of the trees, for this is your food. You and the animals will eat this same food. In chapter 2, we are told that God planted a garden toward the east, where he placed the man that was created. In this garden was an orchard with trees that are pleasant to their sight and good for food. In the midst of this garden were two specific trees that God describes. Number one was the tree of life, and two was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And there were rivers in this new place as well. It was in this garden that God placed Adam to care for it. God gave Adam work to do. Adam was to work in and guard the garden. But here comes the list of don'ts. The test. Just like the smart TV user guide that says, whatever you do, don't push the red button. We can't be upset with a God that provides a beautiful home for us that he created for our pleasure including everything we could ever need just because he gave us important instructions to go along with living in this new realm, can we? The first, but do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Not only is there a don't list, but it comes with consequences. For when you eat of the tree, you will surely die. It's difficult to imagine this place, for we have never known a place like this. A place of innocence, a perfect creation. Blessings on a land that is all your own. However, there is a condition on this covenant promise to Adam. If you are obedient to the one who made and gave it to you, with all this placed before you, what would you or I have done? Well, I have offered what I thought was a safe answer to this in in the past to some who have requested an answer of me. But we will never know because it wasn't me standing in Adam or Eve's bare feet. However, if you listened in last week, you heard me give an example of a helicopter being outside of time as a weak example of predestination or seeing the beginning, the middle, and the end of a parade at the same time. Because God is outside of created time, 
He can see the future events of our choices. Because this covenant is based on Adam's obedience, it is considered a conditional covenant. Because Adam fails the test of obedience, the covenant will come to an end after only two chapters into the account of history in Genesis. However, for now, for the sake of these first two chapters in history, we leave Adam in the perfectly created earth, tending a garden where he named the animals and met with God in the cool of the evening. Adam even got a helper, a companion for himself from God, as some joke for just the price of a rib, who he called woman because she was taken from a man. The very breath of God created a soul in mankind. The biblical commentator Leupold shared, The ideal state of sinless man is not one of indolence without responsibility. Work and duty belong to the perfect state. Much further in the account of history in First Peter, God tells husbands to recognize that they are one with someone different, someone whom they must understand. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them, the woman, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Just a minute, ladies. Let's hear what Elizabeth Elliot had to say about this. She was quoted as saying, After being asked if men and women are different, are they yet equal? Her reply was, In what sense is red equal to blue? They are equal only in the sense that both are colors in a spectrum. Apart from that, they are different. In what sense is hot equal to cold? They are both temperatures, but beyond this, it is almost meaningless to talk about equality. The chapter concludes with the marriage principle of Adam and Eve becoming one flesh, husband and wife. This institution of marriage was propagated by God, even though many want to believe that marriage, home, and family was invented by 50s television. Adam and Eve are the original family. In this time of innocence before sin, Adam and Eve were naked before God and not ashamed. Nakedness goes beyond nudity. It has the sense of being totally open and exposed before God. Nothing to be ashamed of and nothing to hide. Life is divinely given. How are you spending your gift of life? Is it being used to further the good news of salvation and spiritual maturity in this divinely inspired dust? Let's ponder the salt and light of the words of this account of history. This biblical perspective gives us opportunity to consider that this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is of God within us, a gift from God, and that with both body and spirit, we are made to glorify our Creator. F.B. Meyer once shared, Every human being is entrusted with a garden that we may keep it, that we may guard it. God's goodness is no excuse for idleness. Whether your heart and life will produce weeds or flowers and fruits depends on what we do with this gift of life. Two examples from Scripture 
are Proverbs 24, 30-31, which says, I went by the field belonging to a lazy man, by a vineyard belonging to a senseless person. There it was, overgrown with thistles, the ground covered with thorns, its stone wall collapsed. We get a picture of a life that has not been tended to very well, not been guarded. The second example is Proverbs 4.23, which says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. What might it have been like to live in a perfect world? We certainly don't live there now. There's evil triumphing all around us. Sure seems that way. And yet, there will come a time in the future, as we look at these covenants, that uh, we'll get a chance to live in a place that's perfect again. Not of our own doing, of course. It'll all be the work of Jesus. I know I have a few questions about that time. You might have them. Something like, how did this affect all of humanity for the rest of time just because Adam sinned? And where was Adam when Satan spoke to Eve? How did this impact my life today? How did this impact the lives of husbands and wives unto this very day? And how did Adam and Eve die in the day they chose to be their own God? And did you realize that's what it is? It was a choice. Of course, we're not there yet. The Garden of Eden is still perfect, but we always jump ahead. Even I'm doing that in my mind to the Adamic covenant, the next covenant that God has and makes with Adam. But this first one is so important to look at because it was plan A for God. And it's what he still wants with us. He wants to spend time with us forever. Don't you want to spend time with ones that you love? I know it's difficult right now with COVID state of emergencies everywhere all over and masks and not being able to go to hospitals to see our loved ones when they're sick. But I am thankful that even though we need to spend time apart from each other, put that distance between us, God's Spirit can still reach down out of the heavenlies and touch our heart and spend time with us. So we never, ever have to feel like we're alone. The world may try to do that to us. The enemy may try to do that to us. But God will never leave us alone. He promised he would never leave us or forsake us. If we belong to him, and I am certainly speaking from a place of these covenants in regards to people that do love and have given, have surrendered their heart to Jesus. In fact, Adam and Eve gave us a good example of that oneness between the two of them and also with God, a complete openness and support for each other and a relationship with God, one that is wasn't broken. Can you imagine a relationship 
a marriage relationship with no shame, no secrets. I suppose I should mention that God did not create mankind, humankind, and put them in a mess. He gave them a choice. There was a garden with so much to choose from, and only that one thing that they weren't supposed to touch. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if we only had one thing that we had to not do, that we had to stay away from? I don't know if I could do it. I can't. No one knows that unless they're put in that place. Thankfully, it wasn't me. It was Adam. But we can see that our choices as humans affect those around us. So as we walk through the Bible and look at these covenants, remember that we do have choices. God made it that way. We're not parrots. We're not puppets on strings. He does give us a choice. We can walk in his ways, which the Bible says are better than ours, higher than ours. He knows a lot more than we do. He can see the end from the beginning and all the middle in between. I think I can trust someone like that a lot more with my future than I can myself because I can't remember what happened yesterday and I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know how life is treating you right now, but I do know that if you surrender your heart to Jesus and you walk in his ways, there will come a day that you will cross the finish line and you will stand before your God and he will be able to tell you, well done, the good and faithful servant. And that's what we need to be, faithful. So until we get to meet again, I pray that you will be able to walk in faithfulness with your God, trusting him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. Because he cares for you. Yes, we are tested. We are tested just like Adam was, just like we'll see many of the others that had a promise made to them, that had these covenants that were made with them by God. And when you are tested, just remember that God is there. He will hold you up and he will keep you strong in his spirit to continue to do the work until he calls us home.
If you've enjoyed listening to Moments with Moni, you can find a lot more information on the website at momentswithmoni.com. There'll be background information on each of the podcasts, a way to subscribe, and information to connect in many different ways. Thanks so much for listening.